Hey everybody, I'm Jana, and welcome to Advance Your Belly Dance, a podcast all about the business of belly dance. This week, I have another very special guest, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Ahava. I've been dancing since I was about 16 and sort of fell into belly dance by accident. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't seeking it or, you know, had ever had it on my radar. I was just, um, I came across an instructional uh, VHS tape and was like, oh, this looks fun. Mm-hmm. And just sort of fell in love from the moment I started moving and, and learning, you know, the basic technique and movements. But prior to that, I'd been dancing on and off since I was nine, mainly West African dance. And um, I did some hip hop, but I stopped dancing for, you know, at least a couple of years because I was in a, a bad car accident mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to move like I once had, had to do like some rehabilitation and all that stuff. So it wasn't until I was about 16 until I can start moving again, like I had when I was younger. And then found local belly dance classes and I found a studio and the East Bay where I reside and learned like American cabaret style belly dance and, you know, went to classes like three, four times a week. I became like obsessed, you know, and immersed in, in learning. And after that, I became professional. I uh, started dancing in restaurants when I was about 19. And shortly after that, I began p- competing and, you know, just getting more performance opportunities. Eventually, I started teaching, not really by choice, like people were seeking me out and I was trying to, you know, steer them towards other dancers. And they were like, no, but we want to learn from you. And I was like, uh, I don't teach, you know, and, you know, just I don't want to say I was forced to do it, but, you know, um, people were very patient with me because I like I hadn't taught, you know, I didn't know what it was like to teach anyone anything. But funny enough, like teaching has become, you know, such a, I get so much joy from it. And I almost would prefer teaching than performing because you get to see uh, growth with your students. Mm-hmm. And so I've been teaching for like over 10 years now and mainly do that. Uh, stop, I stopped gigging in restaurants many years ago. And like I said, just find my joy in teaching, even though right now I'm on the break, but still that's always going to be something I'll do until I can't anymore. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And um, the reason we have you here <laughs> uh, for this week is that we want to talk about how to define your own success in belly dance. And this is something that I have always been very interested in since I had started dancing over 13 years ago, because back then the only way was either to gig or to teach and to teach only like at big international festivals or to gig at your local restaurants. And that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that COVID has at least brought out is the creativity that people can expand and can define success in their own ways to teaching online or even having online hoflas, for example, and and charging admission for that. You know, so I've always found it very interesting myself to expand this very small version of what success is as a belly dancer. And I'm sure you know, like you've taught um, Mm -hmm. other places as well and and at festivals that it's not always what it's cracked up to be, right? Like I know when I first started, when I was Boring. No. It was very different to what I what I thought in my head of like, okay, this is great. I love to travel. And I love to teach. Like, why not? And then you start doing it, and you're like, this is very, yes. very different. It's very draining, and especially if your personality is that you're more in the introverted. Like, you need time to yourself to regroup. And the moments that you want to regroup, yes. you're you're not able to because you have to be on. You have to be around people. And when you want to be around people, you're right. alone. So it's like it's it's that's what I found for myself very very hard to come to terms with when mm. I thought that this is what I wanted to do in belly dance, and then it wasn't exactly how I had it in my head or how it looks like at least like you know yes. that these teachers are doing all the time. So it's a very interesting topic to talk about defining your own success in the belly dance world. And so why don't you go ahead and start off from us with the first point, the first tip? Yeah. I just want to like piggyback off of what you said. Um, I'm similar. I am an introvert (laughs) and I do need time to, you know, to myself. And, um, and it's hard, you know, when you're traveling and you have to be around a lot of people and you have to, you know, sort of get in that mind frame, like, okay, let's, you know, get in a better mood or let's, um, let's teach, you know? Um, 
especially when you're like, man, uh, I'm tired or, you know, I'm jet lagged yeah. or what, what have you. But back to defining success. So I think something, you know, and this is just how I sort of um, outlined my dance career and something I think can be helpful for others who are sort of trying to figure out where they fit or, mm-hmm. you know, what they want to do. Something that I did was when I first started taking classes and was like, oh, you know, I think I would want to, you know, become a professional. I really had to sit down with myself and say, well, what do you want to do? Like, like short-term goal versus long-term goal. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, if I take classes every day, you know, and, you know, improve my technique and this and that, then maybe I can dance in restaurants and I could do restaurant work or I can, you know, do private uh, parties and stuff like that. That was like, at the time, the end goal for me. And then once I had done that, it wasn't what I had thought it would be. It wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. And honestly, I felt like my dancing became stagnant and I wasn't growing. It, you know, it just became like a nine to five almost. It's like, okay, you get to the gig, you, know, you get ready, you go out, you, you dance, and then just hurry up and wait. And I don't know, I, I wanted something more. So once I realized that, I was like, okay, well, I, I reached that goal. So now what? And then I was like, well, you know, competitions, you know, seem like they would be fun. So, you know, like I said, I think you just have to sit down and like make a list of, you know, what you want for yourself and, and uh, where you see yourself, you know, in a year, in two years, in five years, and how you can make those goals like tangible, like what you need to do to be successful. And I, I think that's a, a good starting point in doing that. And then just if, you, if that's not what you want to do, if you don't want to be a, a professional, um, if you just, you're happy and content taking classes and maybe dancing at, you know, your local hafla's and taking, you know, one or two workshops and that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, it's just, you know, figuring out what you want to do and where you fit in all of this, because it can be very, um, it can be overwhelming uh, and you just want to make sure that you keep the joy and you don't want it to feel like tedious work because, you know, you can get, especially if you're working towards being professional or, you know, international, what have you. I think that joy, we, we lose sight of our goals and sometimes we lose sight of ourselves and our morals and, you know, all these things. So it's good to have a moment to yourself just to remember what your purpose is mm-hmm. and what you want your purpose to be. You know, just keep that in mind and you know, try to remain grounded and humble because the next dancer is coming right up the ranks, you know, and can knock you, knock you back down that ladder, you know, um, because we're so enamored with the, the new best thing or the next this or that. And um, it can be, mm-hmm. you know, it can come quick. Yeah, I like what you said about staying like true and not losing that joy because a lot of the time when, and especially I found this when I was gigging, I stopped gigging a long time ago too because it it just, I didn't like waiting around in all these like sketchy places, like like closets and bedrooms, like at a private party and come out and be like, yeah, I didn't like that either. Yeah. Yeah. It's all weird. Yeah. I mean, luckily, yeah. like it, it could I go know. a lot worse. Yeah. But when you think back, especially when like you did it when you were younger, you're just like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> like what was I thinking? Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. Luckily, yes, same. Yeah. Like, how how did I do that? Yeah. Really what it is like Even that you expect, right? It's just it's a lot of waiting around and yeah. waiting to go on. And the funny yeah. thing. Oh my gosh. The funny thing is when I, when I was like, you know, getting into the, the restaurant work, um, you know, when I was like 18, 19, I was like, this is it for me. I'm going to be a professional dancer. I'm going to dance seven days a week. I'm going to have a live band. It's going to be so glamorous. And then I, I started doing it and it mm-hmm. was the complete opposite. You know, you know, it's dancing in like half empty restaurants or, you know, clubs or whatever. And they're not paying attention to you mm-hmm. or, you know, everyone's drunk and, you know, I was like, uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't it for me. I was like, okay, there has to yeah. be, I need another goal. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's also very hard when you have a love for an art form, you're very excited to show it and share it and grow on it. And then it's like, 
you're depending on another person or another group of people to like dictate how you want to present that if that makes any sense like dance to pop music and yeah. this is like mm-hmm. what you have to look like and we'll get into that um in 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 the next point but um i think and it's not just this gigging it's even with like teaching at festivals when you're limited to waiting on another person to like choose you or accept you it's very yes. disheartening especially when you're starting off early yes. like early on to do these types of things and it's mm-hmm. just like i i'm not a fan i'm very i'm a very impatient person and not and i'm not a fan of like other people even when like doing day jobs and like sending out your cvs i'm not a fan of having another person like my destiny in their hands of whether they're going to choose me if they're going to decide whether yeah. i'm worthy of it or not i don't like that <laughs> so yeah right. so um yeah. gigging and and even yeah. the festival scene and the competitions like it all it, you have to be very like you said like man like make a goal you have to decide like what is it that you want out of it as opposed to how are they going to dictate like what it is that you want to do that makes sense yeah and then yeah and then also something I want to point out is just I don't know it takes a lot of I think you have to you know work this so when I started I was you know a teenager you know still trying to figure Mm -hmm. out who I was just in general right and you know this dance helped me you know own Mm -hmm. my womanhood you know and I, I've grown a lot and have had some really wonderful experiences and opportunities because of, um, you know, the dance community. And I'm very thankful and grateful of that. But it, it took a long time to, you know, attain some of the things that I've, I've been able to do. And I think the issue now, especially with, you know, with, you know social media and how things can go viral and we have this sort of instant um, uh, I don't want to say superstars, but, you know, instant uh, well-known dancers who sort of pop up out of nowhere and, and other dancers see that and they, they want to, they want to be, you know, quote unquote famous so quickly. And I think dancers need to realize that it takes time for all of this to happen. You know, you have to, you have to be patient and, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, you got to enjoy the journey and always remain a student and, and always, you know, have that thirst for knowledge and educate yourself and, you know, just remain humble and, and not think that you're just the end all be all and that, you know, everything, especially if you are not a person from the origin, uh, you know, uh, you're a visitor and you are representing uh, someone else's culture so you do not know everything this is not something that you grew up in and you need to understand that from the start and respect that and I think that's that's getting lost um, unfortunately and it's becoming a problem and we're at least I am I'm starting to see the issues arise but you know understanding what's that you're going to have to put in a substantial amount of work and you can't just half-ass it and, you know, think that you're going to become this viral dance superstar. You have to have the, the knowledge and the technique and the understanding of the culture and how it really marries into the dance. And, you know, like I said, just always be willing to, yeah. to be the student and to learn. Yeah, especially when it comes to a culture that it's not your own. Like, it's definitely very important to... Yes. And when people hear that, they think, oh, well, I can't have, I can't do fusion. I can't do what it's like. No, no one's saying that, (laughs) but you have to know where it comes from in order to know where you're going. And you, you have to know what it is, what's the root of what you're doing. And you can be creative in different ways. You don't have to change things in order to have your own style. Like, you know, there's no, it's 2020. There's nothing that you're going to think of that hasn't been done before. (laughs) Like it's exactly, it's, it's okay. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can still be yourself. Right. You have to really know where, you know, where, what the root of, of the dance is. And yeah. And it's, yeah. Some people interpret that as like, and back in Florida, we used to call it like, I'm so Egyptian. It hurts. Like when they are overly Mm -hmm. emotional Mm -hmm. dancing. Yeah. And that's like on the other end of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, I, we get it, but that's not what we mean. So it's like, find that happy. Yeah. (laughs) Like you don't have to pretend. Yeah, exactly. To to, um, dance Egyptian style, for example. But um, yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, just out of curiosity, what has been, um, because you've been dancing for a while, you've been dancing since you were a teenager and you've gigged and, and done competitions and everything, what's been the most influential to your career as a whole? Is there any one person or any one event maybe that you can pinpoint or remember like, wow, this is really where it helped me or it, it changed my Yeah, um, I think there's been a couple. The, um, let's see. I think the first I can remember was uh, I got a video at a festival, I think, of Fifi Abdu. And I'd never heard of her. And I don't know why I picked it up, but I did. I think it was, you know, the photos that was, you know, on the cover. I was like, oh, you know, she looks pretty. You know, that's a cute mm-hmm. costume. So I bought it. I think it was like 20 bucks or something. And then I, I watched it that night and just completely, like, fell in love with Fifi Abdu and her style and her sassiness. And, you know, I'd never seen... A dancer was such, you know, personality. And, you know, I, then I started, you know, uh, mimicking her movements. And I think because I had primarily been like sort of a, you know, cabaret style dancer, I had really been taught Egyptian style. And so watching her, I was like, wow, you know, this is different. It seemed, you know, more simplistic than, mm-hmm. you know, having you know, a bunch of props and, you know, doing a lot of floor work and all this stuff. Um, it, it seemed more organic than what I had originally been taught. So that was one, like, pivoting moment for me, just, you know, sort of haphazardly, you know, discover, not discovering, but, you know, um, finding out who Fifi Abdul was. And then also the first time I took a workshop with Rahia Hassan, again, I, it just felt the movements is felt organic and it almost felt like I I had done them before, even though I had never, you know, taken class from her or, you know, hadn't really heard of her, you know, before that workshop. And I I just really became enamored with um, these women and wanted to, you know, learn more about, you know, Egyptian dance specifically. And um, that was many years ago. And I'm so glad that, you know, those things happened to me because I, I feel I don't know where I would be or what you know if I would have had you know, the success that I've had now had I not learned about these women and then I think the first time I went to Egypt was another you know eye-opening experience for me as well and then a story that I like to tell about me going to Egypt was um I went in 2007 for Athan with I had won a competition the year prior and the prize was to go to Egypt mm-hmm. and dance in the closing gala of the festival. And I was in a workshop. I was so tired. I hadn't slept, you know, in days, you know, I've been taking workshops and, you know, going to a bunch of shows and hanging out and just, you know, what you do in Cairo, you, you don't sleep. And so I was in a workshop and I, it felt like someone had turned on a light switch. Like I, I, I suddenly understood Egyptian dance, I guess you could say. It, it, it just made sense mm-hmm. to me. And, you know, what I found is that in workshops specifically, when you're learning from an Egyptian dancer, you know, if you're in, you know, America or however you want to say it, we tend to ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. about technique. Like, where's your weight placement? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we want to know all these meticulous things about the dance and technique. and sometimes you just got to follow the bouncing butt and you just got to <laughs> shut up and dance. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and not try to break everything down. You just got to feel it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so in that moment, I understood that. And I, I saw that it's, it's, it was more beneficial for me to watch these women and like really see every movement that they're doing from, you know, the head to the toe mm-hmm. and internalize that and execute it, you know, in my own way, but not interrupting them when they're dancing and, and, and say, hey, you know, actually, you know, how do you do that, Shimmy? It's like, well, no, just, just sit and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's when, you know, sort of the light bulb went off for me. I took, I was fortunate enough to take uh, workshops with Fifi Abdul when she came to America um, some years back. And I just remember the look on her face when a lot of dancers were asking her questions about, you know, her technique. And she just kind of looked at everyone like, like, why are you asking me so many questions? Just watch, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and I, I just, 
my hope is that, you know, whenever someone takes a workshop with an Egyptian instructor, that they just really, really just take it all in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and observe and do as they do and internalize that and just quiet yourself. Yeah. You know, don't <laughs> ask so many questions <laughs> because it, 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 it's irritating. It's annoying. It's like, well, yeah. why are you asking so many questions? It's just dance. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely very different. Um, a lot of Egyptians, when they start teaching to Western audiences or Western dancers, they're just like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it's so they, we want it. And I, and I'd like to think that it's it's a nice thing that we want just so much information that we don't want to get it wrong because it's not our culture. Yes. Um, but right. it is a thing of like sometimes you just have to relax and dance. And I think one of the big disadvantages to being someone that, among other things, obviously, but we don't have – there's no equivalent of like a, a folk – Thing that you grew up with from when you're a child like in America or you know what I mean like it's very mm-hmm. yeah I can't think of something that unites the entire country that you list I, I mean like as for, I, I can't I can't imagine anything like it's it's not in in, in the culture to like that the entire yes. country knows this music and this dance like do you know what I mean so I think that's right. a disadvantage sometimes when you're trying yeah. to think of it like dance as if you're in a social context you're just like um how what does that look like and um as opposed to like people obviously that grew up in in the middle eastern world there's so many dances like Mm -hmm. you know that everyone knows like i'm i'm myself i'm from uh i was born in bosnia and we have like a folk dance that we do at weddings and stuff that is i know that it's not anything fun or exciting but i know how to do that yeah (laughs) um, so i mean you would like you'd know it everyone would know it when you grow up with it you grow up going to events like that but in in the states or even here in germany there's nothing like that so i think that's Mm -hmm. hard for people to wrap their brains around um i used to recommend my students so i live in berlin it's a huge party city pre-COVID obviously <laughs> and um yeah I yeah. used to recommend to my students who would have a hard time just getting out of their bodies like you know teaching choreography to teach the choreography and I'm telling them the history of it you know all these things but to just relax into a movement and to start to improvise a little bit on their own as well I would mm-hmm. just tell them to go clubbing <laughs> like it's the closest thing I can yeah. like, recommend you to do to just get out of your head and just go somewhere with right. it or whatever it is your preference of music outside of this and and just move your body like in a way where you're not yeah. so much in your head and um mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing that i would recommend to them obviously now that is not a thing that i tell people to do but um <laughs> you can club in your own i mean we've, oh, we've got places starting to open up like open air but you meet her just i guess yeah that they could do that <laughs> <laughs> so number two so I started teaching uh, workshops maybe, I think maybe 12 years ago, 13, I forget. Um, It's been over a decade. And like I said, I sort of was forced to start teaching. Um, People started seeking me out and it wasn't anything that was really on my radar to start teaching. But, you know, people wanted to learn specific things from me. And so it's, it's been, you know, such a huge learning experience for myself. And so the first time I started teaching workshops, it was difficult <laughs> to say the least, but I, you know, I got the hang of it. And then suddenly I was, I started getting more offers to teach. Uh, I think some, some of the places I've been uh, include like, I, I went to China, I've been to Mexico and Canada and all throughout, you know, uh, North America. and I, you know, I think maybe around 2009, I started to notice that the offers were, uh, weren't coming in as quickly as they had been. And I was like, okay, well, now what do I do? And so I had the idea of, you know, sponsoring myself, <laughs> sort of having like a, a one day, you know, workshop in my area where people can, you know, sign up and we can dance for like two, three hours. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they, they, it was very successful. And that's something that I recommend you do if you're noticing that, you know, work has been slowing down or if you're trying to get your name out there even to hold your own events and produce your own events, uh, promote yourself. Something else that would be beneficial is learning how to, you know, create flyers and do Photoshop and photo editing and stuff like that. Something that I 
I preach, but I don't practice. I've never been interested in, um, you know, stuff like that. I'm in all people who are, you know, Photoshop masters. It's just not my, my thing. But if you're not interested in learning, then you need to invest in hiring someone who, who is, you know, expert, an expert in that so that you have professional um, materials. Mm-hmm. Um, also having, you know, professional photos taking you know, photo shoots and something that's been um, popular uh, recently is like having videos, like little snippets, like sort of like a performance snippets of dancers, you know, promoting their themselves, um, either teaching or, you know, at several shows or what have you. So having like promo videos and uploading it onto your website or uploading those things onto your social media platforms. Again, you know, getting your name out there. Something that, you know, even I have to keep in mind for myself, you know, we want people to see our work and we want people to know that we're teaching or doing this or that. With social media, sometimes if, you know, you only get like a couple likes, you know, sometimes people can feel like, oh, you know, no one cares (laughs) or, you know, no one is interested in what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. But I I think uh, we have to get out of that mind frame and just be patient and and know that it's going to take a while again this is where the patience comes in and you know um just reminding yourself that you're you want to you know have uh substantial work and you know sometimes you're only going to get a couple people who come in and that's okay you know that's up to the the dancer whether or not they want to continue if they feel it's not financially you know feasible to continue doing that but just, you know, keep in mind that it's going to be a slow start, um, but keep going because you never know, like, what will happen in the long run. And that's what happened for me. Like, mm-hmm. I would, you know, promote a workshop, something that I, you know, a lot of people would reach out and ask, hey, can you teach your drum solo or can you teach, you know, this or that? And then I would, you know, promote it. And then, you know, two, two people will show up and I'd be like, oh, well, what happened to all the people who you know, said that they were interested in taking my class or whatever, you know, why aren't they mm-hmm. signing up? And just, you know, understanding that people have lives outside of belly dance. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. But, you know, do it again, you know, another day or another time. And, you know, perhaps they'll show up. And, you know, just try not to get discouraged mm-hmm. um, early on. Uh, because, you know, some, like I said, it, it takes a long time to, um, you know, get people get people's attention and for people to, to recognize that you're, you're out there and you're putting in the work. And then also like uh, filling, you know, whatever void that you see in your community. So say like, you notice that there aren't a lot of teachers who um, are teaching, you know, I don't know, drum solos, then perhaps that's, that's, but you find that that's something that you enjoy doing. Um, perhaps you promote that class and say, hey, I'm teaching, you know, a a rhythms workshop or um, I'll have a drum solo uh, combination class and I'm going to have a live drummer, you know, find interesting ways to to draw people in and and make your service unique without whatever else is out there. I will say, though, I will say um, with the whole sponsoring myself and um, uh, getting back on that is uh, I learned a lot about myself as an instructor, you know, and I kind of looked at it as, you know, I wasn't getting all these offers, um, you know, to teach uh, in local festivals or international or what have you, but I was giving myself an opportunity to, um, you know, teach in my community and also figure out how, what type of instructor I was, and like, like I said, it was a journey, you know, I, I learned a lot, and I learned, you know, how other people learn, and I, I personally don't like to, I don't want to say chastise, but like, point out, you know, a, a dancer if they're doing something wrong, so this is just an example, because my instructor never did that, however, like, after class, you know, when we were, you know, done with class, I will, I will say, like, hey, you know, you know, provide that positive feedback and then to say, hey, why don't you work on this and then show them, you know, give that one-on-one mm-hmm. um, moment um, with that individual so that they can work on it at home. Or, you know, I love when, you know, students ask questions. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. 
you know, I always say like half of my class is talking <laughs> and then the other half is actually, you know, moving. I love to teach a movement and then I'll just like turn around and just give like a little you know, story about, you know, something, you know, <laughs> and I, I love to laugh and, you know, just make people feel really comfortable and just really embrace everyone and make them feel safe in the classroom and not that, you know, not berate anyone. Um, that's never my, my, that's not my style. That was never, that's never my intention. I don't think you have to do that in order for someone to learn something. So, you know, giving myself the opportunity to teach these, you know, small workshops, you know, locally gave me that platform to, to figure myself out as an instructor and then get to know, you know, the men and women, you know, who would come to my classes. You know, you build friendships and bonds that you perhaps you wouldn't have if you were teaching globally, you know? Um, so that's something that I almost prefer now than, you know, hopping on a plane and teaching here or there because there's that, that connection. But something that I also enjoy, you know, when I do teach um, elsewhere is connecting with people, you know, who on the other side of the country or people who've seen, you know, a YouTube video of mine and they're like, you know, you're the first Black dancer I've ever seen. And, and wanting to, to meet me or wanting to take a class is very humbling, to say the least. And, you know, just having those connections. I've met a lot of dancers, you know, through my travels who we've come, you know, we've become really good friends um, over the years. And um, so having those connections um, is very important to me as well. And I wouldn't have had those had I not had opportunity to travel. So um, I just love teaching. I, I do. Um, and I love meeting new people um, and having opportunities to do that. Yeah, same. I I think ballet dance is probably the only context in which meeting new people is okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> like in real life, I'm yes. just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good yep. with friends. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> but in yeah. dance, I'm like, oh, I want to know everybody and everyone's story. Exactly. And I watch I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> but I like what you mentioned about learning what kind of teacher you are, what kind of instructor you are because uh, of the way that when you took classes, you were probably thinking, hmm, that's not, I'm not okay with that. Like I want to yeah. do it differently if I mm-hmm. could. And, and people aside is definitely people, you know, no one likes to be called out in, in class. And I was never a fan of that either. So playing yeah. someone aside. And that's only because I, I, I experienced that. Um, I, yeah. I took like ballet and jazz as a teenager too. And the teachers were just so mean. And I felt like they picked on me specifically. Um, and it was, it's, you feel so deflated. And I just, mm-hmm. I remember, I think it was a, I can't remember if it was ballet or a jazz class that I had taken. And I remember the teacher scolding me in front of everyone else. And I walked out of that class and I started crying. I was walking to my car and I'm just, I, I was bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I never want, to make anyone else feel that way. If I were put in that position, I would never, ever, you know, berate someone in front of others like that. And I never wanted to become that, that kind of person, like, first of all, and then also that type of instructor, because it, I, I, I didn't go back. I walked away. That was the last time I ever mm-hmm. stepped foot in that class. But like I said, you don't have to do that in order, you know, for someone to learn what it is that you're trying to teach. You have to understand and try to build a rapport with that person, listen to, to them and what they may be having struggles with. That can be hard to do in a workshop when you have several people coming in for, you know, two and a half hours to learn something. Mm-hmm. But Again, for me, the rapport is just as important as teaching the technique or teaching whatever it is that's, Mm -hmm. you know, on the agenda, because I want people to feel good when they walk away from my classes. Mm -hmm. And that's just the bottom line, period. I want them to have a good time and I want them to, to walk away, you know, feeling like they learned something and that they were just in a, a, a loving environment because the world can be just so cruel. And, you know, I get a lot mm-hmm. of people who come to my classes and it's like their, their safe space. It's their, you know, it's where they come to decompress to see their mm-hmm. friends or what have you. So 
again, I just want it to be a good and fun environment. And on that topic, so being um, point number three, um, you mentioned to be the voice that you that you want to hear and shifting into a more serious but very necessary topic, how to address racism in the belly dance community. Yeah. So I was at work uh, taking a break and I hop on social media and then I saw, initially I saw the screenshot of this dance. I'm not going to say her name. And I think it was Catrice. I initially saw her um, her post, and then I had re- you know responded um, to her post, and I, I was like, I said something like, I, I was waiting for her to slip. Um, I had followed this dancer on social media platforms, and I noticed you know her behavior and and things that she would post about Black women specifically. And, you know, her her uh, Instagram stories and things like that about Black women. And, you know, I just had a side eye and I was like, I'm not, you know, a couple of times I wanted to unfollow this person, but I decided not to because I was waiting mm-hmm. to see how comfortable she was going to get. And she got quite comfortable and then made that video. So I reposted uh, Catrice's initial post and tagged her because we were friends on Facebook specifically. Um, I tagged her and, you know, it kind of blew up um, from there and she reached out to me and, you know, she was, she said she was sorry and all this stuff and that she's not racist and she doesn't know about blackface and all this, all these things. And I, I just remember the gist of the conversation, at least on my end, just telling her to make it right and mm-hmm. to apologize and the apologies that she was posting did not seem authentic or sincere. Mm-hmm. It just felt like she was just putting something out there just because. And then also making yeah. it about herself, which was yeah. interesting to me, and not, not acknowledging the people who she had offended. Something else that I, I noticed that hurt almost as much, if not a little bit more, then what she had posted was the people who, you know, her fans, if you want to call it, who were taking up for her and telling her or just saying that she did nothing wrong mm-hmm. and who didn't, who didn't acknowledge that her action had offended and hurt other people, just totally being dismissive. So that was something that I noticed. And then also noticing the instructors and the dancers the very well-known dancers in the community who said nothing about Mm -hmm. it and then the ones who continue to support her um, and promote her and that was very disheartening because I've invested you know more than half my life now you know to this dance and a lot of money and felt like I had to work three times as hard and for someone who, you know, came onto the scene, I don't know how, um, you know, I don't know much about her, honestly, but seemingly, you know, within the past five or six years, maybe, and I'm just, you know, putting a number out there, I don't know, who's attained a lot of success and, you know, a follow, a very big following who does not take responsibility for her actions and, you know, have a lot of people who see what she does as the best thing. And then, you know, people who she work, who, who work with her and, you know, at events, both in the States and internationally, who I've worked with in the past or I've supported in the past, who support her or have not made their position clear on where they stand on the issue. It was very hurtful. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that was happening, you know, last October. And I had a lot going on, you know, a lot of really good things going on personally. And so I decided to focus my attention on those things and, you know, sort of put that, that incident to the side. And, you know, I set my piece, I made my, you know, I had set my piece basically, and I just kept it moving. And then I noticed like, so this was in October, the holidays come. I, I normally don't teach around the holidays because people don't sign up because, you know, it's the holidays. Mm. And so January comes along and I noticed like that I wasn't, excited about teaching or about, you know, promoting my classes. So I was like, well, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm still focusing on 
you know, at the time I was applying to grad school. So I was like very stressed Mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, meet a lot of deadlines. So I was like, okay, let me wait until, you know, I finish with this. That's probably what's distracting me right now. So let me submit these applications and then I'll start focusing on the dance and teaching. And then once I did that, again, I noticed that I just didn't really care about teaching or, you know, I was just so disgusted Mm -hmm. with the community, honestly. And it affected me in ways that I I didn't realize until much later. But I, I went ahead and I taught for like four weeks and then took another break and pushed back, you know, my classes again. I was just not motivated to do anything, you know, dance related. And then COVID happened. And I, you know, I started noticing a lot of dancers promoting like online classes and their hoflas and this and that. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, you should do that too. You know, I've been talking about having online classes for five years now, but I haven't done it. <laughs> so I was like, well, this is a perfect opportunity to, you know, get that started. But again, I wasn't interested mm-hmm. in doing it. And then I had noticed posts on Facebook about some sort of event. I think it was like a competition or something with several international artists and that dancer was included in the lineup and it was like all these feelings I had suppressed started resurfacing and I become I had become very upset and I didn't say anything I don't think I posted anything on social media or whatever but it's it just it's like it it happened all over again to me because I saw that people were still working with this person and still promoting them and including them and all these things and just felt very defeated. And I was just like, I'm done. I can't, I'm, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I made the announcement that, you know, I was just taking a break, but it, it wasn't until that moment. It wasn't until seeing that, that picture, that photo of that specific event, it was canceled by the way, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until seeing that, that I had realized how, how much it affected me. Yeah. And so I was just like, I need to step away for my own, mental health and to to figure out if I even want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because the community, it's like, when you think of it in a traditional nine to five setting, it's like, these are your coworkers. Mm -hmm. And when you're surrounded by crappy coworkers, you don't want to go to work anymore. You start looking for something else. I can't even find the words because it's just so ridiculous to still have to defend. Like, Mm -hmm. like, of course, it's offensive. Do you know what I mean? Like to, to say like, yeah. of course it is. And it's, and then you start feeling gaslit. Like mm-hmm. how am I the only person that finds that? Like I surely can't be the only one. And it's like, why are we defending? And I'm just sad that in a few months time, because the belly dance world does this all the time. <laughs> Cause humanity does this all the time. They're going to forget about mm-hmm. it the same way that they did when mm-hmm. they invited her to the, to the Hafla, which did get canceled. But it's just, that's the part that really, is disheartening even to myself and like the fact that people big big stars even like their careers don't get affected by this right whereas as you even mentioned that you've been dancing over half your life now and you have to work five times as hard and and it's just it that part just saddens me and and it sucks i guess to put a more positive actionable thing (laughs) my question to you is going to be what is it that you wish to see uh, come out as a result of this or come out in, in general what is it that you wish the change to 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 see in the daily dance community i just want to see more women and men who look like me mm-hmm. included invited in these in the community internationally specifically really it's, it's so hard to to get a foot in that door yeah and even harder if you're black yeah and I just, I just want to see more inclusivity. When I started dancing professionally, I went in with the intention, like, I, I didn't see, you know, people, you know, dancers who looked like me, not in my area, at least. And so specifically when I made the decision to compete, I went in with, and my, my train of thought was like, okay, so I'm going to compete. Um, it's going to get featured, uh, you know, on, you know, online newsletters or what have you people want to see my photo and they'll see that oh this that's a black dancer and I just I want it to be visible and I wanted to, to have other black dancers see that you know it is attainable and you know you're 
you're able to to do this if this mm-hmm. is what something that you want to do. And like I said, you know, over the years, it's meeting a lot of Black dancers, you know, who have approached me and said, hey, you know, I've been following you for a long time and I see your videos on YouTube and you were the first one I, that I've seen. And, you know, thank you for, for showing me that I can do this. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a different type of responsibility for someone who is not Black. And I think it's so important that if you are creating an event or you know producing something that you include, you keep that in mind because you open other people's minds and you open the the um, opportunity for people to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. And your event will be that much better because people from everywhere are going to gravitate to it because they feel welcomed and they they feel seen and accepted. Yeah. So I think that's very important. And I think people need to stop having such a narrow-minded you know, viewpoint on, you know, what is going to sell versus what's not going to sell. I understand mm-hmm. this business, but if you are an artist, which, you know, some people claim to be, you know, a belly dance artist, then mm-hmm. you understand that the art aspect of it, it's not just about the dollar sign. It's about, yeah. you know, including people who can express their, their art and, and uh, share their movement with others and, and giving opportunity and a platform to people to, you know, to express that. And that's something that, you know, I'm interested in doing now. You know, I'm glad I took that time to take a step back just to sort of recalibrate and figure out where I stand and what, what's next for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the direction I'm going to go now is just creating opportunities for others because, you know, Many years ago, I was like, if if I'm going to be the only quote unquote black dancer, I'm I'm going to have to be the best at what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that you know I think I'm the end all be all. I'm the absolute best, but I felt like a very heavy weight that I carried for many years because I I was the only one in the lineup a lot of times, and I had to represent. So now that I'm in a different space, I want to create those opportunities for, you know, dancers who, who deserve, who, who are deserving of that. Um, there's a lot of talent out there and they're not just, they're not just white. Okay. They're not just Russian Ukrainian dancers. for sure. Yes. No, <laughs> they are not. There's so much creativity mm-hmm. and, and beautiful movement, you know, with black dancers and mm-hmm. we need a platform. And if, I think that's the next direction that I'm going to take after having, you know, stepped away for a while. And I'm not to put you on the spot, but do you know when you're coming back from your break to do this? Have you set a well, time for I, yourself? What? There's a couple of things I have lined up uh, since COVID. I've, I've got, gotten received a lot of um, offers uh, for the online hoplas. And, you know, like I said, I thought about teaching mm-hmm. you know, online courses or what have you. Um, I've turned down a lot of uh, invites because I, I just wasn't interested or not interested, but I, I wasn't ready. But I have a couple of things coming up, um, mm-hmm. one at the end of the month and then another next month in September. I'm going to slowly get back into it, but not as hard as I, I was before because I am starting grad school in less than a month. So that's going to take up a lot of my time. I'm also still um, planning a wedding. <laughs> so that's taking up a lot of my time I'm still going to be dancing I'm, I'm never going to com- quit completely because it's it's like in my bones it's in my blood I can't just walk away from it um but I'm going to be more careful of who I associate with or who I support even if they reach out to me and I see the lineup with someone who's problematic I, I will bow out gracefully and, and not involve myself in that because I'm in a space where I'm all about protecting my, my energy and protecting my, my um, peace of mind because it's not, it's, not worth, it's not worth jeopardizing that just to be, you know, featured mm-hmm. in a belly dance event. And has there been anything positive that you've seen in the last few years, in the last few months? Has there been anything that you're like, yeah, let's keep doing that? Just have, seeing genuine support and al- allyship of non-white, uh, non-Black dancers who are supporting and, and speaking out against other dancers who exhibit racist behaviors. <laughs> That's very, mm-hmm. it feels good to, to have someone who is not of the 
the culture or who does not, who is not Black, but is supporting and being a voice for Black dancers and, and just being an ally and speaking out, that that helps so much. And it sort of puts a mirror to another person's face who is exhibiting those behaviors to mm-hmm. see someone who looks like them say, actually, you know what, you're wrong. And this is why you're wrong. And don't ask a Black dancer to explain mm-hmm. to you why you're wrong, because that's not their place. Mm-hmm. So it, it just I, mm-hmm. it almost, you know, it holds people accountable. And I love seeing that. And I will support anyone who I've seen doing that. They will always have my support. And that's something that I've, I've seen that I've just, it's been, it's been a light, you know, in such darkness that I've been in, you know, recently, you know, as mm-hmm. far as the dance community. And then, you know, just people just speaking out and, and wanting the inclusivity as well. And, and seeing, you know, noticing that things are skewed and questioning and, and making a point to ask why is it that way thank you so much i have such lovely to yes. meet you virtually thank you so much <laughs> lovely to have you on here is there anything that you like to plug where can people find you when you do get yeah. back up and running between planning a wedding oh and gosh grad school? <laughs> yeah I, I think the best bet is just to go to my website which is ahavabellydance.com i'll update it once i'm doing things but that's the best bet if you want to learn more about me or, you know, when and if I do start this online, my online teaching, um, that's that's where you can find me, havabellydance.com. Great. So thank you so much again. And thanks, thanks everyone you. for listening. Yeah. Until next week. Bye.